0: Welcome to another episode of the Darren Batchelder Multifamily Real Estate Investing Show. Today, we have a special guest, Justin Spaulding. From his first property at the age of 23 to now operating 2,100 apartments and managing over $150 million in assets, Justin has built legacy wealth through real estate. He's not just an investor, though, but also an author and a coach who's helped many other people build their portfolios. His athlete mindset, work ethic, and mental toughness have translated beautifully into the world of real estate. But before we get started, if you're like the majority of high net worth individuals focused on preserving your capital and building your wealth in real estate, visit darrenbatchelder.com forward slash investor call and schedule your discovery call now. This episode is sponsored by Cashflow Portal, real estate syndication software that accelerates capital raising. I'm both an LP and a GP in many multifamily deals. I've used many different software applications for the capital raising process, and I like Cashflow Portal the most. I'm so confident in the software and the Cashflow Portal team that I've become an investor in the company. If you are a syndicator looking for a software platform, then let the Cashflow Portal team know that you heard about them on Darren's podcast and you will automatically receive three months off an annual contract. You can find the company at cashflowportal.com. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing. Be introduced to the players that are getting it done and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Justin Spaulding. Justin, appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate having me, on, and I'm excited to share some of my stories and my experience today.
0: Absolutely. So just a little bit on how we know each other. This is the first time that I'm talking with Justin, but he's he's figured out social media because he's all over social media, and he's he looks like he's scaling up in a big way. So I'm interested to hear what he's got going on and uh, have the, you, the listeners, learn from his experience. So with that Justin, can you share? You're giving
1: me a lot of credit because I always think that we, I always tell my team we need to be doing more than what we're doing.
0: <laughs> I always feel like I'm not doing well, enough. Well, that's <laughs> good. That's good, right? You At least now you know that it's happening, right? Like I'm i am partnering with right. somebody that I said, hey, I see your Facebook ads. And he's like, oh, I'm glad you're seeing it because I i don't know who's seeing it and who's not. But um, Where, where'd you first find me, Darren? Where'd you first Instagram. find me? Yeah. So, so the, um, you know, doing the, the reels, um, I think, yep. is, is paying off. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot, a lot of your reels lately. Cool. So with that, can you share with the listeners how many properties, how many units you're invested in?
1: Uh, we've got about 27 properties right now. Every single time we've been buying deals, it seems like we're getting bigger and bigger for the most part. Every time we, we buy a deal, you know, more units on one site, um, and we've got 2,100 total apartment units uh, right now.
0: Listeners, if you're listening to this on a podcast, you can't see them, but I'm gonna ask. I mean, I, I could see you're married. You got the ring on, but like, you look young. I mean, to have 27 properties,
1: the ring's just for show. Okay, just for- <laughs> just kidding. I, my wife's awesome. I'm just kidding. I am married. Yeah. So, how, how, guess how old I am? What do you think? Uh, 35. Oh, you're pretty 34. I just turned 34 in All October. Right.
0: So, um, I've got about 20 years senior on you. I'm 53. So, um, that's fantastic. So, I would love to know, you know. One of the questions I had for you was how, you know, one how did you get started, but how did you scale? Once you once yeah. you figured out that this is what you wanted to do, how did you scale? You know, I was a kid that when I was growing
1: up, I loved sports. I really had no idea in high school like what I wanted to do. I was I was, I was a kid that you know the guidance counselor would come to class like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, whatever that starts like middle school age, and they're like talking about what you want to do. You should start thinking about it. Same thing in high school. I'm like, I have no idea. I just want to play sports. And so i really went to college to play sports and i i ended up falling in love with real estate and so um my sophomore year of college took a trip to chicago and i saw trump tower going up, and i just became obsessed that moment that day with real estate and ended up buying books when i was in chicago at a bookstore Uh, i read them on the ride home and uh just kept reading and learning during during college i'd skip my classes i'd go Uh, pick up a book and I'd read my own books and and go to workouts. And then I bought my first, I got, and then I got like a sales rule. I was involved in direct sales and that was through college. Cause I wanted to have the mindset of, you know, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, reading those other books about successful people. They all found a way to make money to be able to then invest. And so I stashed money. I bought my first four unit and it would have been August, uh, the end of August of 2013 was when I bought my first four unit. It took me a while to find that first unit, but I think, you know, I don't know. I, I, I always say it took me a while to find that first four unit, but really it, it was probably just a lack of courage and belief that I could really go do it. Right. That kind of inhibited me or, you know, uh, disabled me from being able to go on out and pulling the trigger on, on other deals that I'd looked at. And uh that that actually that first night, I'm like, man, this is freaking I I regret buying this piece of junk because that first night I got a call from a resident that we owned it. And uh the, the resident called and said, Hey, there's a flood in the basement. That's all she said. I'm like, Oh so I go over there and a the water heater, you know, broke and water just went everywhere. Kind of got uh the carpet wet in one of the units and um and uh I remember that fixing that water heater like took up like two or three months of cash flow at that point on a smaller four unit building. And so I was like, man. But you know, after that, we were off and running, and we got those rents increased. And then uh, we just, and then like you said, I, I promoted everything that I was doing. I, I was promoting, promoting, promoting. And um, you know, after I bought a couple more buildings, I, I ended up getting another investor to jump on board with us. That kind of helped that first initial scale uh, scaling process when we bought a uh, eighty eight unit building uh, about three years, three, two and a half years after that. So
0: that's that's awesome. I, I love it. And there's so many things that you said there. First of all, when you said that the Trump Tower in Chicago really, really got you. And I think in, in real estate, one of the, I mean, there's a lot of great, great things about real estate, but one of the things is, is there really is no ceiling. Like it is, you, you know, you can start with a four unit and now you, you know, you're doing a lot bigger deals, but there's shopping centers and high rises and, you know, master plan communities and storage. Like there's, there's so many, uh, I mean, you go to Manhattan, you see all the high rises, somebody put those deals together. Like, um, so there's no ceiling where a lot of other industries, even if you're in sales, you kind of, you know, ramp up. And then it's really hard once you get up to the top level to keep ramping, you, you kind of top out and, um, Real estate doesn't have that.
1: And it's super, it's super fragmented, right? It's a really fragmented industry. So there's, in my opinion, there's always deals out there because of that fragmentation. You know, I was reading an article the other day. I'm, I'm from Wisconsin and we got this uh, convenience store in the Midwest called Quick Trip. And uh, they're, they're based out of uh, Wisconsin and, and they're in the top 10 as far as like size um, for these convenience stores. You know, Casey's is up there, 7-Eleven and, and all that. And, um, you know, you, you, you read some of those stories. And um, I, I think the crazy thing about real estate, what, what's different with, with with other businesses and w- w- with real estate, right, is like you said, those, if I wanted to break into that convenience store, it'd be so or into that industry, it'd be so hard for me to do that, right? Because it's not super fragmented. When you look at the actual, like, when you look at those top 10 companies and see how, like, how big of a percentage of, that they have of those industries, you couldn't do that in real estate. You can t- you can take the top you know the top ten apartment owners and they own a tiny fraction, so it's super fragmented, right? And so I think that's why there's always opportunity uh, uh, in this space. And then on top of it, you know, my mindset right now, like this is almost something I want to go do, Darren. Is I want to go buy another like four unit or eight unit again and show everyone that I have in my six month accelerator and my mastermind. I want to show them that I can literally go out and buy a four unit, eight unit. And I can double my portfolio size every single year without having any other investors because it's all based on how I operate those deals. And I can then refi and go do another one. I can either sell that building and double the size of it. And so um, that's also the unique thing is because, you know, because it's fragmented, you're able to find deals that, you know, other people just didn't value. There's a lot of arbitrage to be had. And so if you can identify that arbitrage, but then on top of it, if people can go out and really know what to do from an operations standpoint, that's a differentiator in, in, uh, in this industry. I think
0: that would be a unique offering. Is because, and, it, and it goes back to where you, where you were talking about courage and belief. You know, I think a lot of people getting into the real estate space, you know, mentally buying a single family home or a duplex or threeplex or fourplex is as far as they can think. You know, is, is as far as they can believe they could they could that's actually do it. So if you can show people a path on how to do that, and then how to grow, you know, the the valuation of of that property and continue to grow their portfolio uh, from that standpoint, I think that's that's a huge opportunity. Because look, I'm more in the the larger syndication space. I know you are too now. Um, but that's you know in the group that I run in that's that's pretty much every, what everybody talks about is like the, the large syndications. But there there's a lot of opportunity, you know, in the smaller deals too. You know, yeah, I
1: think sometimes like
0: I I'm, I
1: spout you know and, and get out there and spout off unit count because it grabs attention, grabs eyeballs, which is what I'm initially trying to do when I'm when I'm out there. But when I'm like working with people and, and anyone that's listening, you know, to this is like. Start with the amount of cash flow that you want to get. That should be your goal. It shouldn't necessarily be a unit count. Now, unit count helps because with more units, you have more scale. When you have more scale, in my opinion, everything is easier and, and safer. But you got to start with that cash flow goal because just to chase units—I mean, would you rather have two thousand units that you know each cash flow a dollar per unit, or would you rather—and you own a fraction of it, or would you rather own your own? 80 units that you own hundred percent out, right? That's cash flowing $260 a door per month. Right. So like, um it, you know, and those are extreme examples, but you know, I think too many people, because there's guys out there like me that are showing off the unit count, people forget what's actually most important. And so I when I'm working with people, I'm like, pick that cash flow goal of what it is. And maybe, maybe you don't have an actual uh thing that you want or you know, whatever. Okay, well then. What are your annual uh, living expenses? And that, make that your first goal. Now we'll go back into what you need to buy, you know, whatever, and make that happen.
0: That, that's a great point. So um, your living expenses, look, I'm older than you. I grew up in the, the generation of put money into 401k, into IRAs, and, and, and all the big financial houses are all about what's your number. Like, what's your retirement number? Like, you have to save it during your earning years to get to that big retirement number so that when you retire, you're going to start taking it down, right? And then I all of a sudden got in real estate about five years ago, and I met other real estate investors, and they're like, you don't have to think of it that way. You know, it's just think about buying assets that generate cash flow, and once that cash flow is greater than your lifestyle... You've done so it. I like to
1: I like to help people. Okay, what's that first cash flow goal, and then because people are are usually shocked, like like you said, with those financial planners, they're just saying, okay, you got to stack away this much, but that's over a span of twenty or thirty or right, whatever, forty years. Exactly. Right? Whatever that cash flow goal that you have is, and those living expenses, whatever it might be, you can go out and achieve that in a year, two years, three years. If you again, if you find the right deal, and if you know how to close that deal, and if you know how to operate these deals to turn them around, you can get that cash flow goal in 18 months, six months, 18 months, 24 months, if you want to go do it and and get really get into it.
0: So you mentioned a mastermind. Talk about uh, what you have going on in the mastermind. What's the focus and how you help people in that mastermind?
1: Yeah, so we we do a few masterminds a year. We usually have two to four of them a year. Um, We just wrapped up uh, our final one for 2023 a few weeks ago in Madison, Wisconsin. It's basically a small, intimate group. We have about you know, 15 to 20 people tops come into the room and um, you know, and it's uh basically a two and a half day. It starts out on Thursday night and that's kind of a networking uh, with other members and stuff like that. Then all day Friday, I'm going and basically sharing everything that I've done to get, you know, to where I'm at and everything in between. And then Friday, you know, we do the same thing and it wraps up at one uh, sorry, Saturday we do the same thing and it wraps up at one PM. Um, Friday night has a VIP dinner and you know all that stuff. But then, you know, when we started to do these masterminds, you know, we had a lot of like our our people are coming to our events and, and, and engaged in our six month accelerator, which is in our program we do. You know, they bought tens of millions of dollars of real estate this year. And but when we first started the mastermind, people had success out of it, but it was only like a 60, 55, 60 percent success rate. And so I was like, how do we get this? How do we increase that? And so that's where we came up with a six month accelerator. So. You know, once people are are done with, they'll either do the six month accelerator first, and then come to a mastermind, or go to a mastermind and then do the six month accelerator. Either way, we have discounts for people that want to do both, but that allows them to plug in with us weekly, um, so that you know, once they learn, it's easy to learn something, go to a bank, get jacked up, and then what ha- what inevitably happens is like we all again, it's so fragmented. You find these niche deals, well, niche deals sometimes come with niche pro- niche problems, you know, and. You don't know how to overcome that problem. And so with our network and everything, people are able to plug in and bring their problems to us on a weekly basis. There's a chat group where they can bring it to us on a daily basis uh, to be able to get through those ceilings. And, um, you know, we've seen significant results from that. And uh, it's, it's really, really, really exciting.
0: So are those problems operational problems after they bought the deal or are those problems like to, to, in order to buy the deal? We've helped on the operational end, um, but, but a lot of times with our,
1: with our newer members, when they've been involved with us for, you know, three months to a year, it's usually, you know, the acquisition of the deal. Then kind of after that, obviously, then, then the operational. Cause I'm, you know, that's that other things like I'm really big in the operational piece, you hear all these people out there buying deals, but we, I, we're vertically integrated. So I've got about 50 employees. I got a CEO and, a, and 50 employees in a management company. And, um, you know, we're looking to change the game of property management here over the next 18 months. You know, I've always been in, I mean, when I first, when I bought my first four unit all the way up till we had like 120 units, I mean, I was on site doing stuff. Right. So I've done every role in that company. And, um, but I'm, so I'm really passionate about the operational end because it's really, a lot of people don't talk about that end enough because if, again, if you're really good and really understand the operational aspects, that's how you can really put the pedal to metal and completely it can be a complete game changer and you can compress that much more time if you really want to pay attention to that. So, All
0: right. So what would be I know obviously every deal is different, you know, and has different operational challenges. But if you were to point to one or two big value creators from an operation standpoint, what would you what would you talk to? talk about?
1: I mean, so for us, I mean, you know, we buy a lot of things that have rent disparity, and there's usually a reason that it has rent disparity, right? So it's either because the management team is broken, or it's because the property just has a ton of deferred maintenance, right? So, um, and a lot of times it's both. So, you know, we'll buy deals, they don't market it anywhere, you know, they just, they're they're mom and pop, and they don't market them anywhere, and they just kind of word of mouth, and they don't really push rents. Like, a lot of stuff we buy has been you know, like when we bought the last two years, those rents were stuck in like 2009 to 2013 rent values, right? So, you know, for us, we're all about being able to, especially the way that I buy, I've kind of learned this the hard way along the way a little bit. But we try to fund all the capex up front now. You know, we we never used to do that. We used to fund a portion of it and then we'd be like, okay, we'll figure out the rest later. Well, you know, three four years ago, I'm like, okay, we need to, this needs to change because of the, how much deferred maintenance there is, and so we're really. We try to really hone in on what all needs to be done. And then we try to get those repairs and, you know, maintenance and capex done as fast as possible. And like my ultimate goal now, like what I've been talking about with our team is like, I want to build a company that we can literally go in and completely turn around 100% of a 300 unit property in six months. Now that's a challenge, right? Think about all the things I've got a document where I've got all the bullet points of everything that has to happen in order to do that. And it's, and a lot of people are like, that's impossible. I'm like, it's not impossible. Here's the bullet points to do it. You gotta have all the courage and balls to do that, right? Because if you've got, if you've got to do all the exteriors, or if you've got all this CapEx to do, that means on day one, everything would have to show up on the site. What does that mean? That means I probably have 400 a 1.2, $2.3 million out of my pocket in materials before I even close on the deal. So I'm not to that stage yet where I've got the balls to do that. Right. But that's one of the steps that has to happen in order for that. to, Right. So, so basically what we've started to do is every single deal we've been buying, we've been picking off some more of the bullet points to be able to accelerate. And every deal that we've been buying, we've been turning around faster and faster. And, um, but it's so a, they're
0: annual leases. So how do you, how do you turn those interiors in six I, months? I guarantee you, there's a
1: price that you can pay those people to move into the new run, uh, to the new units. And a lot of what we buy, you'd be shocked. I, I don't know. I, I guess there. I don't know if you're typically getting into value add or you know what you're typically getting well, into. A lot of what on. we, a lot of what we buy with value add, there's so many leases that are month to month that now you only need a 30 day notice, mm. right? So I mean, like we just we're we're, we're working on a, a 92 or yeah 92 unit deal right now. Um, and that one is 80% month to month leases. Wow. We bought a 246 unit in July and that was about 65% month to month leases. But then that's my, okay, well, what price would you be willing to pay? Cause like what I've realized, especially is how fast things can change in this last, you know, 18 months, 24 months. Right. And so. For me, I'm like the faster I can get through that CapEx. So like there's a price I'd be willing to pay to pay a tenant that's currently living. Now they'd have to have their unit up to a certain standard that they're already living in and you know whatever and be an exemplary tenant, but we do want to pay that tenant to get out of their unit to go to a brand new unit that we just and probably give them a little bit of a discount on that newly, you know, remodeled unit. Right. So there's paths to do it. It's just, you know, what are the what are the obstacles that you'd have to overcome? And again, when you when you I like to identify what obstacles would be there. And I was like, okay, what ones can we start attacking now? And what would be our processes of procedures behind that?
0: Yeah. Right. That's great. That's great. And for the, for the listener's perspective, like when, when Justin says, you know, he's buying properties that, you know, are at 2013 rents, it's not like he's guessing, right. He can go to the surrounding properties and see what, other renovated units are being rented for. And this one just happens to be way below market. So it's not like he's guessing or he's trying to be the front runner in the, in the market. He knows what, what the market will bear. And, and so he, he's like, okay, well, what do, what do I have to do to get it to that level so I can raise my rent to that level? But I think that until you've done it, it's hard to really mentally understand that. But now you have like the confidence, you know, if, look, if I make this in- exterior, you know, look shiny and I add these amenities, I improve the interior, I can get three, $400 more.
1: Like the projects we've been doing, we've been training outs of anywhere from 30 to 62%. That's
0: it's crazy. You know, so...
1: so. Yeah. Now, now, obviously the cap back, like the 246 unit we're going to have, we basically, that's a fixed rate loan we bought in, in July. Um, but we brought an extra five and a half of, dollars of equity. So we were basically in loan to cost about 50%, you know? And so, um, you know, we brought the five and a half million dollars cash of, of extra equity to be able to do the, you know, and improve the grounds and all that stuff. But you've been seeing the reels and stuff like you said, I've, I've been sharing a lot of stuff on that property a lot. It's changed on the exterior. I haven't changed, I haven't showed up too much on the interior stuff yet, but, um, you know, we've already been through, I think of the 246 units. I think we've been through like 45 units or so that have gotten partially or fully, fully remodeled. Um, so, you know, we're we're rocking and rolling there and, uh, but that's why it's like the operational piece, man, is so big.
0: Do you ever have any fear before going in that I'm either paying too much or I, may not have the execution. I think the only reason that I have
1: any fear at all is just because I do have other people's money coming in with me. Right. And like somebody, like for me, I'm like everything that we buy, I'm like hundred percent. This is all my money. And again, I, I invest a lot of my own money in each deal as well. I'm not, it's not hundred percent syndicated, but I'm like, if this was, I wish I had all the own, my own money just to throw into this deal and go in all by myself. Right. And I think that that's going to come at some point where again, I just start a line where hundred percent I own all of it and we'll scale that because I'd be fine kicking off, you know, we, we typically like to be able to, for our, our investors, kind of how we start this whole thing with paying distributions, we start uh, three to six months after we buy the deal, we pay all monthly distributions thereafter. And that, so that's a pretty tight timeframe when you're trying to do all this, all this capex too, and, you know, all that, all that stuff. So it gets tight sometimes and that's that, but that's what I'm fearful of sometimes is, is that portion. So I know some people really counting that money for you know we got, we got a guy that his, his wife has some some dementia, Alzheimer's, and you know the money that comes in is the money that's taken care of and paying for the her her help, her health and care right, right? so um I'm, I'm almost more fearful of that aspect than than anything, no, I get,
0: I get that you know um, the first syndication I was involved with, my wife was like, don't put it out to friends and family because she was afraid that and I'm like, well, why am, like, I'm, you know, have confidence that this is going to bring in a lot of money. Why am I only going to make other real estate investors money and not our circle of friends and family? But it can go, it can go wrong, right? It could, you know, there, there, there we've are got, definitely challenges. We've got,
1: we've got 27 deals. Uh, 25 of them are absolutely whooping ass, like just crushing it. And then I got one that I'm like, oh, now the one that I'm like, oh, is it's at least it's only 56 units. So it's a very small portion, but we got stuck in a variable rate loan on that one. And we didn't. This goes back to the operations thing. We didn't do what we should have done. And it's on it's on me. Uh, we didn't do what we should have done right out of the gate. Right. And so it's a, I'm taking that as a learning lesson. so now the extremity that I'm you know trying to ch- you know, with how extreme I'm being with our operations team, and trying to change the way that property management is done. It is because of these lessons that I learned, right?
0: And so you learn the lessons and you probably, so we talk about when you got involved, you were really trying to build it for you. And now you're helping so many other people. And I think that when people get involved, they don't realize, like I didn't realize for me that I would be helping anybody else, you know, and you probably didn't realize for you and the people that you're helping five years down the road, well, it, will be helping somebody in their circle. And there's a ripple effect to it. Um, you know, it's because when you learn something then you help somebody else, and um, it's an amazing industry from that perspective. So now your masterminds, you mentioned 55 to 65% success rate. Now, has that improved by having the, the, the combo programs or are you still in that bucket? that number is up i mean it's
1: still not to where we want it it's still not to where we want it to be but also it's i view it as as being early too i mean we did our first mastermind right about a year ago 19 months right so a lot of these people are still plugged in with us making progress um, you know, and so I, I still look at it like, okay, we're still kind of early into this thing to kind of give it full judgment. It's awesome to see, you know, when you have a lot of people or, you know, a lot of things that I post, you know, there's a lot of people on Instagram that are like, you're crazy, you know, because where the economy's at right now, you know, whatever, this is fake, this isn't real, you know, whatever. And, but then you get these people that have, have come to our programs and, and they've been able to go out and buy their first duplex four unit, eight unit or, you know, take them from a couple of single family homes up to an eight unit. You know, one of the guys that came in the spring, he turned around and like we underwrote his deals at the mastermind. He turned around and bought those all, all of them within about forty five days and acquired an extra like sixty units or whatever. So like to really see people do that, and then you know, and then track it after too and know that they're having success. And I'm on my guys too. We had a we had a guy that closed uh, 80, 80, 85 units um, about about six weeks ago now. And like everyone in the, everyone in the group was like, Hey, congratulations, you know, whatever. And cause, cause before that he had a couple single family homes and some dupa. I think he had like 12 total units. So he went from 12 units to, to 80 units. And, uh, I said, I said, I'm not giving you congratulations. And I'm like, you need to go operate this thing now, right? This isn't the time to celebrate. Cause right now is when you actually have the most risk and when, when the, the, the rope is tightest around you know, tightest around your neck. Right. when you, but the faster you can get those rents up, that we knew were there, right? The faster you get that that CapEx done, that then you can celebrate. So I, I really hammered I hammered them in the comments on and, and I have to tell people sometimes, hey, you know why I did that, right? And you know why I'm hard on you, right? You know, I'm not just gonna be someone that's easy on you and give you a pat on the back for you know closing the deal. Anyone can go close the deal, right? But now can you do what you said you're gonna do can you go operate it? Well I'll give you the pat on the back when you get those rents up twenty percent. That's in your pro forma. Twenty five percent. That's in your pro forma. That's form. great
0: that you're giving the accountability on the operation side to to the guys because a lot of programs out there are are very focused on buy the deal. How do you how do you buy your first mm-hmm. deal? Um, what do you set as expectations with people in terms of how long it's going to take them to get their first deal? I mean, I, I'm someone that I was, I'm, we're pretty
1: much a hundred percent satisfactory guarantee. So like, if anytime someone wants their money back, I'm going to be like, you know, I, I don't think we've had, i think we had one person that never even showed up to any event and you know, whatever. And like, okay, you want your money back here? Here's your money back. That's the only person that has taken us up on that. Um, so, I mean, I, I always tell people, look, you know, I, I just go off my short story right there and like, I never, I never preach or, or tell anyone to do something that I haven't done. And so I always go off my story. Look, I started learning about real estate in in twenty, in 2009, I bought my first deal in twenty thirteen. Now I was I was 19 years old in 2009, right? So um, but I say, look, this is gonna sometimes take some time. But ideally, you know, I, I you know, within that first year, six months to a year, we'd love to be able to find most people a deal. But I also don't want them to just go buy a deal just to buy a deal because they were in our program to give right. us a better look either. Cause it doesn't help if they go buy a, a, a crap deal. That, that's not what the program's about either. So um, I always just tell people if they, if they follow along with what I'm with, with our process and our procedures, and if they're putting in the work, they'll find, they'll find plenty of deals to have the option to buy over, over the first 12 months, six to 12 months. Um, now, if they're not going to go do the work, right. Or if they're going to do their work more sporadically or, you know, whatever, then, then it might be a little bit different.
0: I would agree with that. I mean, you you can certainly get into the space and get lucky to find the right deal at the right time and you get in and get a deal done in three months. But, you know, probably going to take you six months to 18 months, you know. And I I like that you said, you, you know, putting in the work. You know, whether you join Justin's Mastermind or you join another group or whatever, like just by writing a check to join a group, you're not going to get a deal. You, you got to put in the work.
1: Got that. You got to put in the work and you got to be like, when you get kicked in the face, you gotta be like, all right, good. Like let's, let's go do something different to not get kicked in the face that this, uh, so my, my daughter is obsessed with, uh, Taylor Swift and, uh, we watched, you know, the newest, uh, video or movie or whatever was released. So we watched that. But the prior to that, we watched one of her like documentaries on a, on a different tour or whatever. And in that, I can't remember if it was a Grammy or you know, whatever. One what, what of the big awards that she'd been trying to win forever and she just never was able to win it. She was waiting to get a call to see if she was going to be up for this award. She gets the call, hey, you didn't win the award or you're not up for the award reward, whatever. And her response that she didn't point the finger at anybody, her response was, you know what, once she got off the phone, her response was, and she just talked to herself, this is good. This is good. I just need to go make better music. And I'm like, man, I, from that moment forward, I love Taylor Swift because of that mind. Cause that's like my mindset. Like you can't point fingers um, and then you need to put in the work. And if you do that, you're going to, you're going to get out of it what you should get out of it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, there's, there's people in all different industries that, that ha- can, and that's the different, that's the differentiator. That's the differentiator between. You know, I talked to one syndicator. Well, he actually owned thousands of units on his own. Um, and he's like, there's people that I know from 10, 15 years ago that said the market's overvalued. I'm, I'm just going to wait for it to back up and then I'll get in. And that guy still yeah. hasn't bought, right? More, you know? Right. And most of the people that I've asked, like, it goes back to even, they might be syndicating 200-unit deals, but it was, when I say what was your scariest deal, a lot of people say it was that first single-family house or that first duplex, you know, that, that first entry. And for me, I bought a duplex, and I was scared shitless, and I had the money, you know, I, but I, it was new. And, like, we're so afraid of losing, you know, um, that you don't, you don't realize the upside, and the people that are in it realize the upside. So, you know, again, talk about scaling. How, like, what do you use for, like, systems to, to scale? Systems and, and people.
1: And when you talk about people, everyone, and that's one of the biggest yeah. questions that I would get. How do you know when to hire your first person? It's like, well, when you, when you literally have no more bandwidth, I mean, you, you got to look at, figuring out. Okay, is, it, is an employee you hire or is it a contractor? Or is it both? Right? So, like, for me, the first role I ended up hiring, because, again, when I bought the first four unit, I did... I did the toilets. I did the light bulb. I did, I, I did like everything. Right. And, um, you know, it became very evident what I wasn't very good at. Right. so like, I couldn't even really hardly change a light bulb. And so I ended up having a contractor, right. To take that off my plate. Uh, then the next thing that happened, uh, we, we ended up hiring out, uh, was a bookkeeper. Right. And then we kept growing and we got, uh, a maintenance tech on board full time. And then a the property manager on board full time. Right. And so we just kind of kept going from there and when it comes to the systems and processes, for me, the good thing about doing every position in the business as we grew was I knew this, I so I kind of would write out and, you know, and, and say, Hey, this is the process. This is the system that we're using. Now those changed over time. Cause as I grew we hired better and better people, right. That knew more than I did or whatever. So like in 2019, we got to a point where we were at about 400 units and I was still trying to find deals, still rate, you know. Get investors together and i was still had my foot that were heavily in the operations i'm like i can't there's no way i'm gonna be able to grow anymore because i'm so heavily into the operations and so uh in 2019 when i hired the chief hired our chief operating officer and um you know she came from another large develop, development company and um it was a vice president there and she you know started overseeing everything property management and so by that i, I got about 30 to 40 hours a week back i really only had about 10 to 20 hours in the property management you know, company from that standpoint. And, um, you know, our, our processes and systems, you know, they they changed a lot because she came on board. Right. And, you know, we had quite a bit of turnover at that point because, you know, we, we hired different people, just had different needs for where we were going as an organization in order to, you know, what was, what, what got us to where we were at wasn't going to necessarily take us. We had to change and evolve and some people didn't really like that. So we had turnover. Um, but you know, now, she, we elevated her to be our CEO about a year ago, um, coming up on a year. And so now it's, I've got even less time. I'm, I'm almost non-existent. You know, I'm more of a strictly strategy on the property management end now, my high level. So I meet with them like every week to 15 days, kind of depending. And, um, cause right now we're going through a huge overhaul in the next, well, like over the next couple of months, over the next, well, the next couple months through about 18 months, our property management companies are going to change drastically. We're going to really try to change the game the way property management's done. And so I'm, from a strategy standpoint, I'm still very much involved there, but day-to-day, zero. But there's too many people that try to hold on to all of those tasks because they think that that's the only way to do it. And it's like, you, you get, you're going to drive yourself nuts or you're just not going to actually achieve what your ultimate goal might be because you're not going to have the bandwidth. And then you're not going to have a bandwidth to be a parent. You're not going to have a bandwidth to take care of yourself mentally or, you know, physically and, 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 you know, do all that stuff. So for me, it, not that it's easy for me to let go of some of this stuff. If you talk to my <laughs> staff, they'll probably say I'm a freak. Right. But, um, but it's, you know, I've just come to the realization, okay, I need, I need other people. Right. And now we've hired on a direct, we, we hired on a director of facilities and like, bringing him on board, like with, with what he's done already in the first six months of these, since he's been here has been absolutely amazing. I'm like, why did we not do this earlier? And that's, that's usually what ends up happening. Whenever we get new systems or processes in place or new people in place, that I was scared, he talked about fear, that I was kind of scared, didn't have the courage to do it because you look at what you know their, their pay is. Every single time though I, we've done that, and I look back, like we should have done that three months earlier, six months earlier. We're, we're looking at every system in our, in our property management company right now in process and looking at potentially blowing it up a little bit and and redoing. It. I mean, one thing that we're really looking at doing is instead of having service techs that, you know, do turnovers and, and in the units for customers, we're looking at having a service tech that all they do is getting, going out and taking care of our current residents problems. You know, I want to get, I want to get hundred percent of those things done in 24 to 48 hours for our current residents. That's the service that they desire and deserve. Then we'll have another uh, maintenance tech that all they do, they're only in the turnovers. Right. And so, you know, again, going back to, if we want to operate the best, one of the key numbers I look at is how many days vacant our apartments bad, right? Cause I know what our daily rent is. If you, if you break it up and divide it by you know the days in the year and, and what, what uh, rent that apartment can get. So what I really started to pay attention to is days vacant and if we can focus on shrinking that number, that that one number positively impacts five to 10 different numbers in your company for us to get the absolute best and lowest days vacant you know, number, we have to start ending our lease. Like historically, we've always ended our leases on the last day of the month. And that's it. Well, if we do this new with the, the maintenance tax, right? If we got maintenance tax that always doing is turns, we need to space those out now so people are going to have leases that end on the 1st, on the 3rd, on the 8th, on the 12th, and, you know, to hopefully help us bring our average day, vacant days down, right? right? And so, no, so you're more like, um, that's more just like, like you're student
0: know, housing, you know, everybody, everybody's turning over at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I like that days vacant. That days vacant is good. Um, I've, I've heard people focus on retention percentage, you know, because it, the higher retention percentage you have, the less turn cost. Um, yeah,
1: but, but the first, the first six to 18 months, you own a value add deal retention is horrible yeah. though. Like you don't, having retention is horrible for you because yeah. you need to get in to do the units to actually get the rents. Right. right. So for me, I care more about, you know, the average days vacant because I know we're going to have some vacancy when we go in and buy these value add deals. So it's inevitable. I want it. I, I want some, I want to get through this again. My ultimate goal is, you know, 300 units in six months. Are we going to ever get there? I don't know. I mean, but I'm trying to. Be, if you don't shoot for it, you're never right, going to do it. Right. right. So, um, so, so for me that that's a, how can we bring that number down? How can we bring that number down?
0: So you, before you said some people are calling you crazy, like is now a good time to buy? I
1: think if, if it pencils from i I'd love to hear what you, you say on this, but for me, if it pencils out and it works, uh, with today's interest rates. And, yeah. I, and if you can have, you know, the adequate dollars that you need set aside for CapEx and whatnot, I think absolutely.
0: Um, I'm in the same camp. Because, if, if, you know, if, if it works with today's interest rates and insurance rates, right? Insurance rates are like through the roof. So if insurance rates go down, if you pencil it and your pro forma ha- includes these high interest rates and high insurance rates, and then all of a sudden the Fed drops rates, that's all gravy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then my, my my one caveat though is I I really think, you know,
1: 2029, you should you should check out ITR economics. Brian, um, Brian uh, the Bullio brothers. I don't know exactly how to spell their last name, but if you look up ITR economics, been following them for like a decade. Actually, I think more than a decade now. And uh they've got they've got some good books out there. They're usually spot on with like what's coming, like their you know, some some of their predictions. And and the cool thing with them being the economists, like they actually don't just give you all these numbers. They also say, look, because of these numbers, these are some of the things that you could actively be doing in your business too. So they're very practical as well, which, which I like. Um, but they think, and now as I look at it, and I've been a follower of theirs forever, but they they think that there's a huge issue coming in 2029 to 2033 because of baby boomers, the cost to take care of them. And so they actually think, you know, rates, they think it's going to be, you know, the great recession, but deeper and longer um, and that interest rates are gonna be between eight to twelve percent somewhere in that time. So I always I always also just say, look, like, you know, but also be able to make sure you can operate these deals so you can turn them around, get that NLI up as fast as possible to remove risk in case rates don't come down. You know, I still think I still think in the medium term, like, you know, rates 18 months now are gonna be lower than where they're at now you know, two years from now. Yeah, I think so. But at some point, I think they're going to come because my my worry with rates coming down is I I, I do worry that if they do it too soon, they're going to take off again. And I still think all this, I, I don't think all the money's worked its way through the system that they printed and they've and put out there. Um, and so I think that rates will go up again to where we're at. I, I, but I think we have a window here where over the next two to four years, there's a chance they'll come down from where they're at right now. But down the back, to, back into that, just with what the Booneo brothers have always said. And when you look at some of these numbers that kind of point in that direction, it, it, it got um, some big boys
0: that to say that there's a reckoning at some point, you know, when, with all of this debt that's out there, the piece that no one pays the Piper from '07 means everyone was bailed out. And you're not going to be able to do that forever. Right. And the piece that I don't know how you fix is, you know, the, the affordability gap. You know, so it's so expensive to buy a house now. It's much cheaper to rent. So one of two things have to happen in my mind is that either residential homes have to come down in price, you know, so that they're more affordable. And maybe they come down in price or maybe they, the government comes out with a 40-year rate or some, you know, some other mechanism. Right. Um, or rents are going to go up, you know.
1: See, but see, hey, here's the a, a problem. problem, though. The... I've thought about this a lot, and it's not a pricing problem of the, the price of the house. It's uh how much does that cost me every single
0: month? Problem. It is. Just like your car, So, right?
1: right. So here's the problem. If supply remains the same, and if demand doesn't really change, and we don't really necessarily... By just doing a forty-year, it doesn't really because now what happens is those prices of the houses just go up another ten or fifteen or twenty percent until people can no longer afford it right. again, right? So it's the monthly payment yes, that matters more it's than anything. Nice. So like, I I always think about that. I'm like, okay, if there was a forty-year amortization, I mean, it really doesn't matter.
0: Well, it's just a matter of kicking the can down the road. You know, um, you know, it it'll help for a little while, but. If you, have a, if you have a five million dollar building, Darren, I'd be, I, if I if I was like, I'll pay you I'll pay you eight million
1: for it, but I want I want two percent interest interest rate from you. You're going to hold the entire thing, and I'll pay you back in fifty years, right? I mean, I could structure a deal that could make work for me because of the again, it's the monthly payments, and if I can make the cash flow work, that's really the only that's really all that happens when you have a forty year amortization and so the, the 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 prices are going to go up and then the, again the monthly payments stay the same and then so the seeing people competing for that at that I mean, point the same right?
0: thing could happen if with the fed dropping rates right i mean you, know, it, you could drop rates and then the prices could go up and they could be in the same spot monthly payments as they are now cars used to be four-year loan now they're seven-year loans You know, it's so I agree. It's a monthly payment. And and I also agree that at some point, you know, that someone's going to have to pay. And um, there's, there's, I don't know these guys at ITR Economics, but like Ray Dalio. Yeah, I will check him out. Um, You know, Ray Dalio, I think is a smart guy with Bridgewater. And, you know, he's been talking about, you know, the debt cycle for a long time. And, and, uh, you know, but it's hard to predict when that bubble is going to burst, you know.
1: Right.
0: And the problem, and again, the problem is, is like, no
1: one, you know, again, all this money was printed in COVID and then you have the QEs, you know, during coming out of the Great Recession. It's like when you eventually don't have anyone that wants that debt, when you, you're at some point, something has to break. And if no one wants the debt, what happens? Well, you, rates only have to go up so that they can, so they can make that happen, right? And achieve that. I think that's where the Bulio brothers are coming at, where they say, hey, 8 to 12% interest rates and there's going to be a huge problem. And you know, Treasuries are not going to be. They 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 think that you know the the U.S.'s bonds and you know the Treasuries are just the rates of those are going to be so high for people to take on, take on and and take to bring that debt on. I don't know how. I don't know how the government
0: pays the debt service if if it go if Treasuries go up that high, you know, Um, but you know we'll, we'll see i mean our deficits are getting crazy as well right so then, you,
1: then that then that so you can't just so the problem is you can't just print more money and that's what right so because what then so something has to really break and it actually has to have an actual adjustment not just a fiat not just print more money that's just it can't be the solution forever cuz at some point it doesn't it doesn't work anymore
0: so now we just scared all the all the listeners to not invest in real estate <laughs> you yeah. know but
1: no it's it's good to be aware of it but that's why though going back to it all comes back to that's why i believe so much in the operations that you're building because the moment that you find a value add deal operate the hell out of it and get the get the revenues up get the net operating income up and now you're fine
0: absolutely you're i don't fine. know if you would agree with this but so i've been investing for 5 years and and the deals that you know i did in 2023 those are doing just fine because we knew what the higher rates were and it was the deals that were done in, you know, at the height at 2021, beginning of 2022, those are the deals that, you know, are, are more challenged. And so, you know, for listeners, if you're looking to get in now, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity for you. You know, there's, there's some people that are, and there's a lot of people that, have deals that are, you know, like you, even you said, you had 25 deals and 23 are doing great. One's okay. And one, one, you know, you have a little bit, some hiccups on, but there's a lot of people that are in that boat. And so even them are there, you know, a lot of those people are on the sidelines because they have that one or two troubled deals that they're focused on. So for the, for the newbie who can get in and, you know, get something done now, you know, it's it's something that you can, um, you know, hopefully grow. It's amazing how fast your net worth can grow through real estate versus just putting 10, 20% of your income away every year.
1: Well, I think there's so many less buyers right now, too, that the new person just has less to compete with. Cause like if the new person is waiting here and sitting here saying, so we'll wait till rates come lower. I mean, what do you think Blackstone's doing? What do you think? I mean, the amount of the, the frenzy of is I think just as long as there's stability, let alone, let alone even rates coming down. But even if there's just stability, the big boys are going to be back in, yeah. let alone if rates come down, they're going to be. So, you know, now between, I don't know if you have a, I don't know if there's a three month window, six month window, eighteenth month window, somewhere in there, but the, the new people need to get on board, get their education up, know what they're doing, go pull the trigger and, and be out there right now and take advantage of, of you know, just less buyer being out yeah, there.
0: I love that. So, hey, if, if people want to get to know you better and maybe learn about your programs, like what's the best way for them to, to learn more about you? Honestly, like the best way
1: we do a ton, we're, we're usually doing two, two uh Post today on on Instagram and and we reply a lot. I and mean, I and my team reply a lot in the DMs and everything. Um, so at Justin Spaulding, J U S T I N S P A U L D I N G. That's my Instagram handle, just my name. Um, no underscore, no no space or anything like that. Uh, at Justin Spaulding, and that's um, that's the best place to you know reach out, leave a comment on one of our posts. I'll reply back to you. Um, again, a lot of free a lot of free um, education on on the Instagram
0: page. Awesome, awesome. Justin, really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, You know, you shared a lot of value and I I know I'm going to be seeing a lot of you because I see you all over, all over the place. So um, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed that one until next week, sign off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend.